0: Bibles now, and let's open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses, but before I do that, man, let's just talk about our country for a minute. Have you guys noticed that the country's going crazy? You guys see this? We're on the west coast, the best coast. Okay, quote me if you want. It's fine. That's funny. You can say that. You can laugh at that. We're over here, though, but, in that, but nonetheless, we see what's going on. And there have been people, men and women, who've come out and said and prophesied certain things over our nation, and people are really sticking their necks out there. I'm not going to prophesy anything or even pretend that I have some sort of insight around our nation. I would, however, challenge you guys. While we were worshiping, singing that song, I was standing right here, and I began to think of Daniel. Daniel in the scriptures. You know, Daniel was taken as a young man to Babylon. He served under King Nebuchadnezzar, and he served under King Nebuchadnezzar's son, and then he served under Darius the Mede. And, and then he served under all these pagan kings. And he was away for so long, he actually never went back to Jerusalem, never went back. He saw his homeland destroyed and he saw his people taken captive, and, and yet God had a plan. And the only way that Daniel was able to sustain himself, you guys remember the story, Daniel was there in Babylon and he's praying and wondering, and you guys know he gets a letter from his good old buddy, Jeremiah. Jeremiah sends him a letter and he reads Jeremiah and in Jeremiah chapter 29, you guys have that verse memorized for the plans of the Lord are for you for good, not of evil. And, you know, but the verses prior to that, Jeremiah 29, 11, he instructs Daniel, he says, while you're there in Babylon, you're not coming back. So I want you to pray for the peace of the city you live in. I want you to pray for your neighbors. I want you to take a wife and I want you to get married. I want you to tell everyone just to settle into it. And then he received revelation through the book of Jeremiah. He actually received understanding that in 70 years that they would be released. And he began to have insight. Wouldn't it be rad if we had insight right now? It's easy to have observation. Nebuchadnezzar, bad guy. Any other questions? And yet God said, hey, Daniel, I want you to serve him. Come again. I want you to serve Nebuchadnezzar. How's that? I mean, you guys think the, the previous administration was problematic? You guys might think some, the, the upcoming administration is problematic. We have no idea. And yet God gave Daniel the word of God in Babylon. I'm not planning any trips to Washington. Not going there. To a large degree, it's not my problem. It's so far away. I'm on the opposite. I'm not going there. Some people feel that it's needed to go there, do certain things. Last night, we were watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Washington football team. Anybody watch the game? Watch the game? Okay, my mom and dad. (laughs) Since when do you guys like football? Anyways, they had a couple different transition scenes where they were showing Washington, D.C. and some of the monuments, and they actually showed the Washington Monument, 555 feet and five and one-eighth inches high. Its base is 55 by 55 by 55. There's a lot of fives in there. I'm not sure what they were thinking. And they built it in 1848 is when they started it. It didn't get finished for about 70 years. And as they built this, they had an idea. Let's honor God. As a matter of fact, right at the top, go ahead and show that top one, Dave. There's some inscriptions there. You can't really read it. Looks like the inscriptions of Sardaman, but on there, it says, Laos Day." To God be the glory. It is the highest, at one point, monument and building in Washington. On purpose, they built it that high so that way when the east sun rises, the very first building to receive the sunlight and the very first words to be illuminated are to God be the glory. Isn't that cool? Things aren't the same now as they were in 1848. The guy that built that, he died recently. It's another joke. Guys, 1848, come on, loosen up. What? Guys are scared. I'm gonna make you put your mask on if you don't knock it off. Interesting history our country has. Laos Day. In our honor, your your bills, your, your American currency, in God we trust. Okay, that would never fly. Passing legislation? Can we do that now? Can we start some cool stuff and add God? <laughs> no, 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 no. And what happened recently? This last week in America, man, it's a, it's it's unfortunate. It's shameful. It's confusing. It's just it's a it's I, again. I don't have enough to really make an educated comment. I just don't know. I wasn't there. Were you there? Were you there? Turn yourself in. Wait, well, you know. <laughs> it's funny.
1: Here's what I would say though.
0: Historically, you know what God does? I just want you guys to brace for this. God allows godless kings and kingdoms to rise to power on purpose to discipline his kids. This is what God does. Daniel found himself in Babylon, 900 miles from Jerusalem, and God said, Yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. It's a 70 year spanking, 70 year timeout. And God allows things to happen. So you might be tripping right now, and I can't believe, and I can't understand, and this can't be happening. Or you could sit back, and you could say something very, very different. You could say, you know what? Listen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. This is what Joshua said. Joshua was handed the baton. Moses had died, and Joshua was leading the children of Israel into the promised land. He said, guys, We've seen a couple battles. We've seen a couple of squirrels in the midst. We've seen a couple of things. It's just, this is life. It repeats itself. And so what are we going to do? Joshua said, well, I'm going in. You can go with me. As for me, and I just would encourage you guys, don't get so heated. Don't get so uptight. I would also say and challenge you, now's the time to keep on the helmet of salvation. Now's the time to keep on the breastplate of righteousness. Now's the time to have the shield of faith and the sword of the truth. Have that belt girt about you. Put the shoes of the gospel on everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, everything you do is in the gospel thread. Now's the time. You want to armor up? In, in Ephesians chapter six, it says, put on the full armor of God. And having done so, stand. Just stand. It doesn't even say march or Advance. Just take a stand. You and your family, standing in the things of God, in the word of God, in the peace of God. 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's been quoted throughout 2020. Everyone's been saying it, and it's still true. If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and repent of their sin and call upon me, I will hear them and I will come and heal their land. Don't stop praying for America. Don't be such a patriot, though, that you forget to pray for the world. Don't stop praying. Don't give in. Don't get weird. But also, as for me in my house, would you bear fruit in your own life? Would you be worried, very worried, very concerned about the things that you do? I think there's subtle distractions in the midst. There's just things going on. And if the enemy can't make you bad, he will just distract you and make you busy. Right on. Hey, hey check this out. Take your Bibles now and open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm gonna say a quick prayer. And I'm just gonna thank God for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing by faith. And I'm gonna put an asterisk by that. By faith, listen, no matter what. You guys realize that? There's a lot of American Christians right now that praise God, seek God, worship God, pray to God, and then they say, as long as he does this, as long as he does that, as long as, and you know what? I just say, no matter what. We've been so blessed as a country. What do you expect God to do right now? Do you know that right now our country is so confused? There are certain species of animals that if you touch them and... And kill them out of season. They'll get jail time. And yet the government funds three to five thousand abortions on babies every single day. 365 days a year. In in America. That's just America. And our country says, hey, leave the animals alone, or you're gonna get it. Unborn babies, different story. When a country, when a people, when a person calls evil good and good evil, it's just, you're in the last inning. So what are we going to do? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you poor in spirit? Are you just poor in spirit? Nobody likes to be poor in spirit, by the way. We like to be rich and abundant in spirit. And God says, no, no, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to be poor in spirit. Today in Mark chapter 8, you're going to see later when you read it, all of you, that Jesus shows up and there's thousands of people and he asks the disciples, well, what should we do? Well, we, we, we don't have anything. Cool. What do you have? We got a little bit. Perfect. What you got's perfect. But I don't have very much. I'm all broken. I'm all bummed out. I'm all mad. With the Lord, nothing is impossible. So don't ever give up based on what's going on around, what you've seen, what you've heard. This is time for our roots to grow down, for us to become biblical Christians. A lot of people think they're Christians. They think they're Christians. Are you a biblical Christian? What's the difference? You should know the difference. Of course I'm a Christian. Get my hair cut once a month. What? <laughs> Celebrate Christmas. Fourth of July. Christian. All right, we're gonna run out of time here if you guys don't stop. So I'm gonna say a prayer now. Father, in Jesus' name, we humble ourselves. And I thank you. Lord. I just take full ownership and full stock over Luke for Shett. He's my main concern for allegiance to Jesus and fruit bearing, discipline, rebellion. Lord, I just take ownership of who I am. Would you forgive me? And if you you would do the same for you, just take ownership of who you are in your household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Jesus, we do ask for forgiveness. I ask for forgiveness upon myself, Lord, my sins and my my family's sins. And we invite you into our lives. Would you lead us and guide us? Would you do a work? And even today through Bible study, Lord, as we attempt to get to verse 10 of chapter 2, all the microphone issues and all the fun stuff we're dealing with, Lord, it doesn't matter. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless us now, we pray. Give us hearts to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? All right, let's read verses two through three. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you've tasted that the lord is gracious stop right there eyes up here we're going to continue this where we left off last week and the big idea here peter is saying to the christians there in modern day turkey that they are to if they know jesus if they are christians here's what they're supposed to do now they're supposed to grow they're supposed to grow as a matter of fact some of your translations in the esv say you're to grow thereby or to grow into salvation been talking about this theme for a couple weeks that if you're saved you are to now philippians two twelve work out your salvation with fear and trembling and he tells us how to do it in verses one and in verses two he says lay aside all this other stuff and like a newborn baby desire the pure milk of the word guys there's nothing new under the sun this is how it works that as you walk near and dear to the Lord, there's things that He takes away from your life. You gotta set this down. Let's just read that list one more time. It's actually a really nice list. There's lots, have you guys ever read the list in the Bible and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it says that? In the New Testament, there's lots of lists. I considered writing down every single descriptive noun that the Bible says to put down as a lay aside, but I think it would have been too hard for everyone to hear in one sitting. They're kind of like dispersed throughout Ephesians and Romans and James, there's some lists. Let's just read this again. This is a real easy one. This is like entry level. He says, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. All these are kind of things that we all agree with, like, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff needs to go. And then there's other lists that you might argue and say, really, that too? And here's the deal, though. If you don't let go of these things and then add the word of God, you're not going to grow. We love to see babies grow, don't we? A baby is born. The first thing they do when a baby is born, man, they take all the footprints and they take all the measurements and they take all the metrics and they measure and they weigh and they do everything. You ever seen this happen before? They went measure it all and then like two or three days later, they do it again. Then they say, okay, come back in a week and they do it again and they keep measuring because they want to see if this baby's growing. And they have all kinds of measurements and places where you need to get to in order to ensure that this baby is growing. As a matter of fact, if the baby doesn't grow right, they diagnose that child with FTT. It's called failure to thrive. And they're able to look at these kids. It's a true medical term. And they'll say, this kid is not... It's not growing right. Something's wrong. They're not big enough, they're not tall enough, they're, they're not advancing, and they have failure to thrive, and they'll then deduce why they have failure to thrive. It could be environmental. Maybe they're in a toxic relationship, maybe their parenting is, is not the best. Maybe it's a nutritional thing. They'll ask the mom, "How much is this kid eating?" and all the rest, how many? Bowel movements? just weird stuff. In order to discern, why is this kid not growing? here's another thing that's crazy about the human race did you know that humans of all of the species on planet earth grow the slowest every other baby that is born in the animal kingdom and all the mammals and and all the reptiles and all the other animals they grow fast and rapidly as soon as an elephant hits the ground it's like dang that hurt let's go you know (laughs) And the other elephants come over and start kicking. You ever seen an elephant get birth? Man, it's crazy. They're kicking it. Like, let's go, homie. You know, lions are coming. We got to run. Watch National Geographic. It's free. And yet when a baby's born, that baby comes out and for like 50 years can't even take care of itself. You're laughing. Why are you laughing? Because you know it's true. Man, kids, and they roll over once. Like after six months, they rolled over and you're calling your mom. They rolled over, you know, Man, that thing would have been dead in the wild. Just lions eating it. It's funny. God, and God made humans. And, and there's this argument about you know, evolution. All that is so debunked. You just study it out. God made humans on purpose, and he made them the way they are. And so when a baby is born, man, we just we celebrate, and they got diapers on, and they take their fur. They just stand. Ooh, ooh, you know, we're filming it, and you're calling your husband to work. He's done, you know, and celebrating. And they fall down, and, ah. Uh, it's just, it's exhausting. And here, we're encouraged as newborn babes desire the milk of the pure word of God that you may grow. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Look at verse two. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, or in the ESV or the King James Version, that you may grow up into salvation. Babies don't grow without milk. It's just the way it is. And the Bible likens itself to milk there is a distinction and a contrast in the book of hebrews where paul says there are certain christians that need only milk and there's other christians that can handle some meat this is not that same contrast illustration just so you guys know what he's saying here what peter is saying is that every single christian mature or immature needs milk the word of god there's never a time where you get so mature you've been doing this for so long that you can kind of back off and throttle down and disengage and read less you say no You lay aside malice and envy and hypocrisy and all evil speaking and and all this deceit and like a newborn baby desires, the milk. This is so, it's just like, I've preached so many messages on the Bible. Get in the word, read the word. As a matter of fact, throughout the scriptures, Jeremiah, or Joshua, when he was leading the children of Israel, before he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Joshua 1.8, he says, let this book of the law not depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. For in so doing, you will have success and be prosperous in all your ways. Joshua 1.8. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. 176 verses, and it's all about the Bible. Psalm 19 says that the word of God is able and so powerful it converts a soul. In 1 Kings, 20, 2 Kings 22, when they're cleaning out the temple, Josiah's buddies are start to clean out the temple and they're putting stuff together and somebody finds a copy of the Bible and they read it. And it begins one of the greatest revivals in Israel's history through the word of God. As a matter of fact, you will not find a revival in a family, a man, a woman, or a church or a society that is not directly linked to the Word of God. There's no such thing. And so, if you want to find yourself growing, and you might say, I've been a Christian for 15 years. Okay, that means you're equivalent to a 15 year old person. You ever seen a 15 year old person? They're the worst. (laughs) I've been 15, I can say that. And we're talking like, you don't trust them, they can't do anything, you know what I mean? Maybe you've been saved 30 years, 30 years, even a third. I mean, when I was 30, I was just making it. Even when I'm 40, I'm 42 now. Man, I got so much. And if you're a Christian here, guys, let me tell you about the word of God. He says it in verse 23. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. He goes on in verse 25. He says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This book, the word of God is not going away. 100 years from now, this book's going to be here. None of us will. 500 years, this book will be around. A thousand years, depending on the history of mankind, this book will not disappear. Wouldn't that challenge you to be less into some of the vain things that you're into right now, as an individual? Some of the things that are just going to fade away. He goes on in that portion of Scripture, verse 24. He says, "All flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is the flower of the grass. Grass withers; its flower." falls away the word of the lord endures forever they say that the sun is going to burn out in about 8 billion years which is funny because some people are actually concerned about that i'm like why are you concerned about that like what what i got a lot of things to worry about that's not one of them the sun burns 600 million tons of matter every second 600 million tons of matter every second is burned by the sun. And so it's ultimately, it's burning out about 8 billion more years. And it'll be gonzo, done. By the way, for you evolutionists, if the sun burns 600 million tons of matter every second, and you quantify that by, let's say, a million years ago, where they say the sun was in perfect distance from the earth, the sun would actually be so close to the earth that the seas would be boiling a million years ago. A billion years ago, the sun would be touching the surface of the earth. Be like, yeah, it might have been a little hot, but we we survived, you know. God made it exactly the way it is, and all of it is gonna perish except for the word of God. Now, this laying aside of malice and guile and hypocrisy and envy, evil speaking, is in order, listen, that we would gain a greater appetite for God's word. If you don't have an appetite for God's word right now, and this is so important for 2021, Our generation, at least that I can tell, is the most messed up generation ever. Jesus said there would be a group of people that were saved, but that would bear no fruit because of the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. And you might say, I'm not deceived by riches. I'm poor. That doesn't make any difference. The cares of this world. So many things in your life. And where's the fruit at? The fruit comes from letting your roots go down in God's word. When I got here in 2010, the church was small, but it was alive. And we began teaching God's word. The first book we ever taught through here was Nehemiah, a book of growth and rebuilding. 2010, November is when we started. And we went through, do you have have a picture of that? There's my younger brother. (laughs) The stage was actually over there. And there was about 45 people here. And we started in the book of Nehemiah, and you can just leave that picture right there. And we went through Nehemiah, and then after Nehemiah, I thought to myself, you know what we need to do? This church needs to be grounded in the, in the doctrines that change lives. And so we went through the book of Romans. And after we went through the book of Romans, we went backwards. We went from Romans backwards to Acts. I wanted the church to see what the church looked like. And so the book that comes right before Romans is Acts, and so we went backwards to Acts. And then right after we finished Acts, we started the book of John right around 2013. And as we went through Nehemiah and Romans and Acts, all those teachings are available on iTunes. Just search it in there and type in South Beach or my name in those books. You can listen to them. I listened to a couple last night, just a little bit, and then turned off because it was horrible. In two and a half years later, the church went from what you see here by teaching the Word of God, go to that next, that next slide, to this. You can clap. When God called my wife and I here, it was so clear that to do anything other than come to Newport would have been disobedience, even if we were to go to uh, the foreign lands and give our lives as missionaries. God said, come to Newport, and so we did. And we began teaching the word of God, simply and simply teaching the word of God. And it didn't take very long to realize why God had called us here. God didn't owe me or my wife anything. He didn't say, you guys move there and I'll do great things. He didn't say that, he said, go and teach. And it's God's word that has brought life to this community. It's God's word that has brought life to this culture and to the coastline. You can put that picture down now. And there's nothing new under the sun, guys. I wish I could give you a fancy Bible study today was something else. You know, hey, check this out. New revelation. Nope, there isn't anything new under the sun. The word of God will endure forever. There's a temptation nowadays to be smart, to be politically educated, maybe even to be physically fit or to be monetarily responsible, and all those things have their place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. As newborn babes, lay aside this other stuff, malice, guile, and deceit these are sins by the way i said there's other lists in the new testament that kind of get me right in my life and i gotta kind of have a time out and go to jesus malice just means slow burning anger where you're just mad you're a jerk you're evil you want other people to suffer you're that christian that looks like you were baptized in pickle juice you're just mad all the time he says "Yeah, that doesn't make sense put the malice away Put the malice away and the deceit because you are that way. Then you live a lifestyle of deceit and you're lying to this person and lying to that person. And because of that, you find yourself walking in hypocrisy. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Hypocrisy is worse than greed. It's worse than envy because hypocrisy is wanting people to think you're more spiritual than you really are. And Jesus shows us in Acts chapter five that that'll kill you. Ananias and Sapphira, and they got taken out. They they tried to pretend they were more spiritual. If we spent the same energy on being spiritual as we actually spend on pretending to be spiritual, then the fruit would be so powerful. Actually be spiritual. And I just, I gotta say this, because I'm a pastor, and, and and I see all you guys, I'm friends with some of you on Facebook, and did you know I lose about an average of five to seven friends on Facebook every single week? Either they die, get raptured, or they don't like me. I can't tell. But it makes room for new friends. I guess some new friends. It's kind of fun. But I just want to say this to you who are listening online, you who are here this morning. If you're a Christian, lay aside this stuff. There's no room for it. And like a newborn babe, get into the Word. Okay, newborns, you try and put them on a feeding schedule and stuff, and they, they, they kind of cooperate. But man, when they're hungry, they're, they're just going to get their way. They're gonna get after it. And if a newborn doesn't get that milk, you can tell, can't you? Something's wrong with that kid, you know? Give that kid a bottle. Get his mom, do something. Let me just say this about spiritual kids. The PT or the FTT, failure to thrive, is visible in my life when I'm not eating the Word. You will look at Luke Frechette on any given day and say, you know what, something's wrong. Did you not get your bottle? Have you not eaten? Absolutely. I'm all messed up, is the word of God. And and, and, and God forbid, then, there's areas in your life where you let linger in the malice and the evil. We justify stuff. And can I just encourage you, lay aside those things. You might be saying here this morning, Lord, I just don't have a desire for God's word. It's because inevitably, no doubt, that you have been snacking on the junk food of this world and there is no room in your life for God's word. You ever try to recalibrate your palate? You ever try to stop eating fast food, stop eating processed food, stop eating fatty food, stop eating these foods in order to have good? Man, it's so hard. You gotta retrain your palate and your want-tos and your likes, but eventually your body will adapt and your body will want and crave the vegetables and the meats and the nuts and the proteins and the things that God has given to us that will make us healthy. And so if you're watching online, you're like, I just don't understand the word of God, then work on it. Get into it. Get a commentary. Listen to the word of God. Read the word of God. You'll not produce fruit if you don't. Look at verse three. He says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. And some people come to church or Bible study from a religious background and they don't know the goodness of God. They've only been beat up every single time they've ever gone to church. Don't raise your hand, but did you ever go to that church where you just felt beat up when you left? Sermons were 17 hours long, man, and you felt bad going and you felt worse leaving. Man, God's mad at me and he's mad at you and there's nothing we can do. You ever, you know what I'm saying, religion. And then when it comes time to reading your Bible and where you're like, I'm not reading that book. Listen, have you tasted and seen that the goodness of the Lord is what leads us to repentance? That God loves us? This will change everything about the way you read the Bible, the way you put down your phone, put down your hobbies, put down your selfishness, put down that stuff when you know that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You gotta know this. God loves you. It's not a legalistic duty to read your Bible. It's a realistic relationship. He goes on to say, and he gives us some parables to consider. He says, coming to him, verse four, as to a living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Stop right there. eyes up here. He says, coming to Jesus as to a living stone. He's already told us we're adopted and born into a living hope through the living word. And now we have a living stone. To them, it would make more sense to us. We're like, a, "What's a living stone?" Rolling Stones, I know that, you know. And, and even Peter, man, he uses this word "stone," and it could have been because that was what his name was. Jesus changed his name from Simon to, to Rock, and maybe it was, you know. But he is referencing the stone, the rock that traveled with the children of Israel in the wilderness, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone jesus christ to them it would make more sense to us we have to use our imagination a little bit he says coming to him as a living stone that has been rejected by man but accepted by god let me just tell you right now if you're struggling to be a christian a public christian a proud christian a a humble christian listen right now we struggle real hard to become politically correct and i want to offend that person we spend a lot of time not offending people but we don't spend much time trying not to offend a holy god can i just say that's backwards Okay. The world has rejected God. And there's a thing PC, make sure your life is HC. Make sure it's heavenly correct. Okay. Make sure you're not going by the the metrics of the world. I'm going to read it again. It says, coming in as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. If you want to make sure you're on the right team, choose what God says is precious. Man, we live in the fear of man right now. Fear of man's a trap. What other people think I would just encourage you, as the days get darker, get bolder and brighter in your love and in your witness. Love more freely, but also love more clearly. Grab an SBC hoodie today. Grab a Jesus' real hoodie. Now it's just, it's whatever you gotta do to be on purpose for the people around you, praying for them, loving them. Verse five, he says, you also as living stones, we're just like Jesus, a living stone, being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Stop right there, eyes up here. He gives us a few more illustrations to tuck away. He says, we're living stones and we're being built up into three things. He says, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood in order to offer spiritual sacrifices. Guys, this is gonna change your life. What are you doing here right now? You're here to worship Jesus. We sang, we took communion, now you're studying and you're gonna go out there and live your life. The devil wants you to take his route. God wants you to take your route. Here you have your title and your job description. As a Christian, your spiritual house being built up to offer spiritual sacrifices, a holy priesthood. I guarantee you some of you guys are sitting out there thankful that we have seven pastors on staff here at South Beach Church to do the work of the ministry. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen, you know, right at school, yeah, right. That's good, I'm I'm excited they're here too. Guess what? We're all in the priesthood, every single one of us. Some of you guys work at Walmart or the college, Safeway, Fred Myers. You, You work in the schools, you're at home with your family. Did you know that that's where your priestly duties are to be enacted? I've got my job description, I know my title. Yours is this. I'm going to read it to you again. He says, You also, living stones, being built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. There's actually five sacrifices listed in the scriptures about what God would have us to do as the holy priesthood. He says, Number one, you're a sacrifice. Present yourself to God a living sacrifice. Number two, he says that we are to sacrifice with our praise and worship. We're learning that here at South Beach Church. When I don't want to sing then I'm going to sing. When I don't want to praise, it's a sacrifice. That's your service. You guys know that the priest in the Old Testament and in the Bible days would come and they would serve the Lord. They would give of themselves. They were born into the Levitical trade and they were then consecrated as priests and they would live their lives and they would do these things and it was easy to point them out. Those guys are doing that. Now you're those men and women and you're to worship and you're to serve Not just that, but there's service, the offering of service, that is work. It's listed in the New Testament that one way we serve God in the priestly ministry is through our money, through our gifts, through our offering, and lastly, through what happens in our lives when we minister to other people. Paul actually said of a group of people that he wrote a letter to, he said, you guys are my spiritual offering to the Lord. This is exciting. And again, I'm going to get done today. I got one more service after this. I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch the... Uh, bears and Saints play. I don't know who I want, but maybe go Saints. But, anyways, I'm going to go home and that's going to happen. And, and I know my job. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not good at it, I'm not perfect at it. But it's imperative that we, as the body of Christ, know why we exist, why we gather together. And Peter says to this group in modern day Turkey, You're the priests. I love it when I get called to, to do things baptize and pray and do weddings but I love it even more when people call me to tell me what they did. Man, I was at this family camp and my, my cousin wanted to get baptized. No one was there. I just, I baptized and I can't believe it. And I say, amen, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Guys, it says in verse five, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. I've used this illustration before because it's right here in the scriptures that what you're going through right now, God is using to build you up and to change you. A living stone. This would cause the reader in that day and hopefully you also to be reminded of 1 Kings chapter 6, where Solomon was constructing the temple. And when he was constructing the temple, he ordered the masons and the rock workers, he said, do all the work outside in the quarry, that the sound of the chisel and the hammer would not be heard at the temple mount. Make sure when the rocks show up, they're done perfect and fit together 40 feet by 20 feet by 20 feet weighing hundreds of tons and they would bring these rocks these foundation stones and put them perfectly into place and the idea is that all the work would be done at the quarry and here peter says you guys are living stones as well being built up into a spiritual house what was that spiritual house used for god and you're being built up right now you know where you live you live at the quarry You might even be married to the master Mason who God assigned to you to knock off all those rough edges. You might have a friend or a family member or some kids that are driving you mad. And yet the Lord says, no, no, no. That's on purpose gonna make you into the man or woman I want you to be. I'm changing you right now. You're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices as I, I i just pray in jesus name at least a half a dozen or more people today would get fired up for jesus and would put away the things of this world and see their lives as god sees them and they would begin to then pour into the things that will matter and remain most verse 6 he goes on to say therefore it is also contained in the scripture behold i lay in zion a chief cornerstone elect and precious And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. This verse, again, points to Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Anybody who puts their faith in him will by no means be put to shame. Most of us don't like to be shamed. We don't like to be on the wrong team. We don't like to be made fun of. We don't like to be embarrassed. Did you know if you're a Christian, you will not be put to shame? Christ will cover you. Christ will will endorse you. Christ will fight for you. He says in verse seven, therefore to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Interesting choice of words that Peter uses here to say that the ones who are disobedient are the ones who just disbelieve. I don't know about you, but I know when I'm disobedient, it's usually not disbelief, it's an action. Disobedient to the Lord, I did something dumb, I did this, But it comes back to and it's rooted in a belief system and what he's saying is there are people on that day that will be entitled disobedient and they would object and say no no i just i just didn't believe i didn't believe in the cornerstone i rejected it he says in your rejection of who jesus is you stand disobedient the chief cornerstone Peter uses this illustration and it would make sense to those men and women in those days because the building material of choice was stones. They didn't have lots of timber and trees and Home Depot wouldn't come around for another 200 years and all kinds of issues they would have. And in order to get a project done right, you would set the cornerstone. This would be the the stone that would set all other stones in place. And if the cornerstone was wrong or if the cornerstone was crooked or if the cornerstone was crumbling, the entire project would also reflect its flaws. Here's the deal. If you've built your life on Jesus Christ, if you've built your marriage on Jesus Christ, if you've built your individuality on Jesus Christ, don't raise your hand. We're not not perfect. I've made mistakes my whole life. Mistakes in my marriage, mistakes in parenting, mistakes in pastoring, And yet the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And all things, okay, will be straightened out because of the cornerstone. All things will be acceptable in God's sight. Verse seven again, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Verse eight, he now quotes out of the Old Testament saying, those who don't love Jesus, now they're gonna stumble and be offended by him. It's so fun seeing the church go through 2020 into 2021. I I say this every week. I'm just so proud of you guys. This is such an intense time. The, the, The impurities have been cooked away. The challenges have been exposed. The weaknesses, it's not even done yet. God's doing this. And yet to those who see Jesus and reject him, he becomes a stone of offense and stumbling. To those who love him and accept him, he becomes that foundation stone. This happens to two different groups of people, irreligious and religious. Did you know that when you who are Christians, you go to South Beach Church and you talk to a super religious person, they're stumbled by you? It's kind of fun. I talked to some super spiritual people and they're pastors and priests and they're, you know, way up there in the religious sect and they'll look at me and say, you're a pastor? You don't look like a pastor. I'm like, I know I try very hard to not look like a pastor." And religious people will ask you questions and look at our Celebrate Recovery group or Narcotics Anonymous or our people that are struggling and say, wait a minute, are you trying to tell me you just simply call on the name of Jesus Christ and you're forgiven? You've never done anything good in your life and you've done a whole lot of bad in your life and you expect that that's gonna save you? Yeah, yeah I do. I actually do. Romans 10 says, if I call upon the name of the Lord and believe that Jesus Christ was killed and raised from the dead, that I will be saved. It's that simple. And religious people can't handle, they stumble. When Peter and Jesus came to the planet and lived their ministry, the religious community, the Jews, stumbled at Jesus Christ. You mean we're gonna follow this man from Nazareth? This man, can anything good come? This man, and they stumble. But not just the religious community stumble at Jesus Christ, the irreligious community You can talk to anybody out there and they'll say, yeah, I have some respect for Jesus, but he's not my savior. Okay, you're either gonna build your life on him or you're gonna be crushed under him. Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and it was all the kingdoms of the world until the very end. And after all of the history of mankind was done and shown in this panoramic vision, at the very end, a rock came out of heaven that was cut out of the earth, not by hands. And it destroyed everything. When Jesus Christ comes, okay, he will look to those who have rejected him, those who did not build their life on him, and there will be nothing but stumbling and offense and judgment. He says, verse nine and 10, and we're done with these thoughts. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who were once not a people, but are now the people of God and who had not obtained mercy, but have obtained mercy. Stop right there, eyes up here. I want you guys to pinch yourself. As Peter is writing to this group of believers in Bithynia and Cappadocia and Asia, and he says, you guys, you're a special people that have been called out of darkness in order to proclaim his mercy grace in order to proclaim to a people that had not obtained mercy that you have mercy read verse nine again he says you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood and a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light quick question before we end in prayer do you see yourself as that ambassador it's that simple do you see yourself as one who is called to proclaim his praises to people this is what we do. We've set schedules and times and the band gets together and we're gonna do this. We're gonna put it online and on air. I go on Facebook and I post things that are gonna give glory to God and it's pretty easy for me to do. I'm a professional Christian. I'm a pastor. And yet he says to this group of men and women, he says, this is why you were saved in order that you would proclaim his glory to a dying generation. What's gonna happen in 2021? I'm not gonna make any prophecies about government geopolitical leaders. Nor would I advise you to meddle too deep in those issues. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're a small little church, aren't we? Small little community. Crabbers are going out. It's just so fun. I love this little community. Psalm 131. Lord, I do not consider things too lofty for me nor are my eyes not haughty but instead like a wean child I'm at peace with you wouldn't that be awesome let's bear some fruit right here there's some big things going on all around us let them go let let Apple and Amazon and Google and Facebook and Twitter and parlor and let them go. Just let them go. It's not, it's not your problem. May the Lord minister to us. And you're in the rock quarry right now. You're being chiseled on. You're not ready for heaven yet. There's deeper works, deeper fruits, like a newborn babe get into the word of God. Lay aside the stuff. Go search the scriptures and find the other lists. Don't be afraid of them. Are you thriving? Is your Christianity thriving? It can be. All of the nutrients, all of the blessings, all of the power, the word of God will endure forever. Father, in Jesus' name now, we pray and ask for forgiveness. And Lord, we align ourselves with you and your word. And we ask in Jesus' name, we'd be pleasing to you by faith. You declared that you have elevated your word even above your own name. And I believe Satan is working over time to make us so shallow, so distracted that we have no time, we make no time, we reject our time, we do not endure our time with you. And Jesus, would you forgive us of that? I pray that you would lead us, Lord, to your presence. I pray for the husbands and the wives, Lord, all the leaders here, moms and the dads, the priests, the holy generation. Would you make us, Lord, to be about your business? Forgive us of our sins. Forgive our country, our lawmakers and legislators, leaders, Lord, it's just, it's a mess. We need you. Would you bring revival to this country? Would you bring repentance? And if there be a huge distinction, a distance, a division of those that build on the rock and those that reject the stone, so be it. May we not try and be politically correct. May we strive to be heavenly correct. We love you, Jesus. Grow fruit in our lives. May we live for a kingdom that is coming. Thank you for all you've done. Protect us, we pray. We plead the blood of Jesus over our body, mind, and spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk with you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen Amen and amen. God bless you guys.